0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't have a copy of the Scriptures with you right now, put a pause on Calvary Baptist Live, will you? Go get a copy of the Scriptures, and then you will have it in front of you as we share and study God's Word together. Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. Helping Timothy understand the assignment of pastoring a church in a place called Ephesus. Paul wants Timothy to recognize that as one pastors a church, there are certain responsibilities that fall upon him if he's going to be effective in ministry. And here in chapter 3, Paul gives to Timothy the qualifications for shepherds and servants bishops, pastors, and deacons so that they can be examples and leaders of the flock. But the key to this whole book is found in verse 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 3 where Paul writes, if I delay you may know how you ought to behave yourself in the household of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and ground of truth Paul wanted Timothy to know Paul wants us to know that this is the church of the living God Christ is the head according to Colossians chapter 1 and according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 we are the body of Christ no matter where you are this morning you are part of the body of Christ and Calvary has a very special family that's only part of the body of Christ. Now within that body, God has given to us some leaders who are supposed to encourage and minister to the body, and certainly that includes pastors, shepherds. Last week we talked about what it means to be a shepherd, a pastor. We talked a little bit about what an elder was and what a bishop was and God uses each of these three terms to identify the ministry of the pastor. But as we looked into 1 Peter chapter 5, we discovered very quickly that pastors are only under-shepherds, accountable to God as they minister to the flock. And I am so thankful that Jesus said, That he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So this morning, as we look at the standards that God has given to us for bishops, pastors, elders, and next week as we look at the standards that God has given to us for, for deacons, I want us to recognize that these standards are for his church. Because this indeed is the church of the living God. Now, because it is the church of the living God, God gives to us the highest standards for leadership. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we start off with bishops, pastors, overseers, according to the English Standard Version. And then down in verse 8, we get to deacons. As we identify pastors in the first seven verses here, we discover very quickly that if a man desires the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Wanting to be a bishop, wanting to be a pastor is a beautiful thing. It is a good calling. And I am so thankful that God called me into the ministry. And I have the privilege of serving him vocationally. It is indeed a a good thing. Now, Paul identifies the the primary ministry of the pastor. And down in verse 3, he says that a pastor, I'm sorry, verse 2, he says that a pastor must be able to teach. And that is what separates pastors from, from deacons. And we talked about the responsibility of teaching and preaching the word of God. And how important that is. Last week I reminded you that in these first seven verses, there are four musts. And must give to us some non-negotiable qualities and responsibilities of the pastor. I will very quickly say that beginning in verse 8 down through verse 14, there are three musts identified for for deacons. But this morning we want to identify the non-negotiable qualities that are so, so necessary if we are going to be the kind of people, pastors, teachers, leaders that God wants us to be. Now, I'm going to divide it. These qualities into two categories. The first category that I'm going to look at is the personal mandate. This is the character of the pastor. These are non negotiable inward qualities, life's convictions that a pastor must have. Somebody said, Character is what you are when nobody else is around. And certainly, God gives to the pastor. A responsibility of making sure that his inward life matches his outward life. We are then going to look at some outward things that God identifies for the pastor. And I trust that this will help us get a picture of what God requires us to be. Let me read this passage of scripture i'm going to begin with verse one of first timothy chapter three and read down through verse seven this saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer bishop pastor he desires a noble task therefore an overseer must be above reproach the husband of one wife sober-minded self-controlled respectable hospitable here it is, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Verse 4, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household. How will he care for, the, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and into the snare of the devil. In the first three verses, Paul identifies non-negotiables. Pastoring is a noble task. It is a beautiful thing. It is a rare privilege. But therefore, verse 2, an overseer must. There are ten qualities that Paul lists here. Let's look at them very quickly this morning. An overseer must be above reproach the word means unable to be convicted without accusation one who lives his life in such a way that those around him recognize God's call on his life pastoring has great responsibilities But a pastor must be an example so that there is no room for accusation. John MacArthur, in his commentary on 1 Timothy, says this. It does not mean that the bishop, the pastor, has not committed sins in his life. What it does mean is that his life has not been marred by some obvious sinful defect in character which would preclude him setting the highest standard for godly conduct. He must be a model for the congregation to follow. The bishop must be above reproach. The bishop must be the husband of one wife. Now the text does not address marital status at this point. It does not mean that someone who is not married cannot be a bishop or a pastor. It does mean that a polygamist should not be a bishop or a pastor. It does not preclude someone whose spouse has died and they are remarried from serving the church of Jesus Christ. Marriage is a big deal. It is a picture of Christ and the church. And marriage is the first part of managing one's own household well. Verse 5. So one who is going to lead the church of God needs to make sure that his relationships with those closest around them are all that God wants him to be. Now, there are many men who are not serving as pastors or deacons who are a great godly example to the church of Jesus Christ, and I am so thankful for them. And I also want to remind you that being a godly example is not about a position within the body. It is about progressive sanctification and godly piety knowing that when it's all said and done, we will all have to stand before God and give an account. Paul simply says, those who are going to serve as overseers must have the character quality of the husband of one wife. They must also be sober minded. It has the idea of being vigilant, a clear thinker, able to to look ahead and be able to understand the consequences of one's action. Watching over the souls of others and watching over his own soul as he is an example and overseer of the child of the church of of God. He must be self-controlled, well-disciplined, have the right priorities in his life. Recognizing that there are some things that are very, very important and must be taken care of as it relates to the flock of God. And understanding that as we put those in priority, it is all about the church of the living God and the call that God has upon our lives. He must be respectable. One of good behavior. An example of his life as as well as his Lips, The message must come from his heart as well as his habits. He must have an ordered life. He must also be hospitable, a lover of people, a lover for strangers, a lover for those who struggle with the stuff of life. I am so thankful that we as a church body have folks from all areas of life. In many ways, it is a real picture of the body of Christ. And each of us needs to recognize our responsibility to fulfill the law of Christ and to love one another, have each other's best interest at heart. That's what hospitable means. Paul now gives to Timothy four negatives, if you will, where he says, the overseer must not be a drunkard. Ephesians tells us, be not drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the spirit of of God. And the overseer must make sure that it is the spirit who is guiding and directing and leading in his life. And that he is not controlled by some external force that would lead him away from the things of God. A bishop must not be violent, but gentle. There are so many times in our lives that we have a tendency to react to things. That tension that comes when we feel that we've been violated or something's gone against us. But here Paul makes it clear that our reaction to such things is is not violent. It, It is not out of anger. But it is with gentleness. And respect. Paul says that the bishop must not be quarrelsome. He must not be ready to pick a fight. He must not be one who wants to get into a debate or one who wants his own way, but one who is peaceful and, and gracious. And then Paul says, he must not be a lover of money. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll love the one and hate the other, cling to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Aren't you thankful this morning that our God will supply all of our needs according to the riches he's given to us in his son Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful this morning that no matter what's going on in our, our culture or even across the world in a, in a global crisis, a pandemic, that God is able to meet the needs of his children? Aren't you thankful this morning that no matter what happens, our God is, is faithful? That is the attitude that the bishop, the overseer, the the pastor must have, recognizing that it's all about God. I am so confident that our God is going to take care of us as we trust him to get through this crisis. Now, he may use us to to minister to others and to be connected in, in ways that we've not been connected with before, but... In the midst of that, God's going to take care of us. And it's not about dollars in the bank. It's not about all of the resources that we have or, or don't have. It is all about our God. Paul next moves into... Some very practical mission things that must be in the life of the pastor. Verse 4, he must manage his own household well and with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Verse 5, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? The pastor's family is, is very important to God. Because within the pastor's family, there is a great illustration about how to live life. And how to deal with all the cultural and stress of life. Connie and I are so grateful for the three children. The three spouses of our children. The four grandchildren that God has given to us. And it's by God's grace that they are serving and sharing in in local church ministry. That they are living out their lives for the honor and glory of, of God. Now this can be a difficult thing. I will long remember when we went to First Baptist Church in Rochester. There was an all church meeting. And the church was allowed to ask me questions to determine whether or not God would call me to, to shepherd that, that deer flock. One of the things that we did not expect was that the leadership of the church also intended to ask our kids questions. And I will, I will long remember a question that was asked of our oldest daughter she at the time was a ninth grader it was a difficult move for her in a a lot of ways because of the time in her life and as we sat in that fellowship hall the chairman of of the deacons said Jill I want to ask you a question Jill kind of perked up and here was the question Jill How good is your father's discipline? Jill was a bit surprised by the question. And so she looked first at me, and then she looked at Connie, trying to see if we could give her any cues about how she might answer that. And I said, well, Jill, just just tell the folks what you think. Here was her answer. Well, it works. And by God's grace, God has allowed Connie and me to manage our family with dignity. And those lessons that we have learned within the four walls of our home have helped as we have tried to take care of the church of God. In verse 6, there is another practical aspect to the life of the pastor. Paul writes, he must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. There's a lot of growing that has to be done if a man is to shepherd the church of God. There are a lot of life skills that are necessary if one is going to take care of part of the body of of Christ. This past week as I was praying through this, this message, a thought occurred to me. I appreciate Pastor John and his ministry. But I have been in vocational ministry longer than Pastor John has been. And through all of those years, God has taught me a number of lessons. There are a number of things that I do differently now than I did 46 years ago ago. There are a lot of ideas that I've been able to work through and, and grow into that I was able to do as a young, fresh, out of college youth pastor. It is so important that a pastor has some good, solid foundation in his Christian life. Because in our Christian lives, we are involved in lives that are of growth and maturing and developing. None of us have it all figured out yet. But because God has taken us through some things, and even to some things. He has developed in us the wonder of His Son. That's why we talk about being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. And that's for all of us. But in a leadership role, it is so necessary that a man has a foundation of life able to minister to the flock. And there, verse 7 says, Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace in the snare of the devil. I think it interesting that the end of verse 6 talks about the condemnation of the devil. And the end of verse 7 talks about the snare of the You know, Satan is alive and well and if Satan can Destroy the life of a pastor, a shepherd of the, the flock. He has affected so, so many people in their lives. It is important that I have an example not only to Calvary Baptist church family but also to Battle Creek and Calhoun County community. It's important that I get involved in in ministries outside these walls so that I can present Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. It's important that I connect with folks and minister to folks and share with folks in their lives. I will long remember a ministry that I was privileged to have with a gentleman by the name of of Ron. I could give you his last name. He was well thought of in the community in in Rochester. In my last two ministries, as well as this ministry, I have been involved in a Rotary Club. And there I've been able to, to meet community leaders who are involved in service above self. I think that's a pretty good motto that identifies the responsibility we have as we represent Christ. I went to a Rotary meeting in Rochester, and at that Rotary meeting I heard that Ron was in the hospital. This was the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. I went up there and met with the family and just shared with them. and I identified myself as Tom from Rotary, and in the conversation, they, d- they discovered that I was a pastor in town. The next day, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, I received a call from Ron's family. I had given them a card so that if they had needs, they could connect with me. And they said, Pastor Tom, would you come up and give Ron his last rites? He's about to enter eternity. I I said to them, well, that's not part of our church's tradition, but I'd be happy to come up. I'd be happy to share with with you folks. And I'd be happy to pray with, with Ron. I did. Ron passed away that week. And the family asked that I have the memorial service, which happened to be the following Tuesday, Rotary Day. Our Rotary Club meeting was canceled. And all of the Rotarians were encouraged to, attend Ron's memorial service and at that service I had the privilege of presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to movers and shakers leaders of that community say well how did you do that when I have the privilege of sharing with a family that has lost a loved one, my mind many times goes to the narrative of the rich man and and Lazarus. And do you remember the request of the rich man? He said, send somebody back to tell them. And do you remember what the response was? They already have Abraham and the prophets to tell them. So at that memorial service, I stood before community leaders and I said, this is what Ron would have me tell you. And I laid out the gospel. It is a non-negotiable quality that the bishop the overseer, the pastor be well thought of by outsiders. Why? Because if he's not, then the church of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ, could very well be disgraced. And Satan could receive a victory. As I personally read these seven verses, I ask a question that Paul asked in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Who is sufficient for these things? Who can live out these non-negotiables? Who can teach and preach the truth of the word of God? With love and grace and confidence that it is indeed the the Word of God. There are two principles that I see. Number one, there is a grave responsibility that goes with shepherding God's people. And with that responsibility, one day I am going to have to stand before God and give an account about how I shepherd God's people. But there's a second truth that I think is so important for all of us, and that is that God's people need to review, respect, and hold accountable their pastors. Why is that so necessary? It's necessary for this reason. This is the church of the living God. Never forget that. This is the household of God, the pillar and ground of truth. And you and I, within this local assembly of believers, and certainly outside these walls, Need to be those that are living out the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody once said, Your life speaks so loud that I cannot hear what you say. And if your life and my life is not reflecting, the one who gave his life for us, then we will not be effective in fulfilling that which God has called us to as the assembly, the church of the living God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that we were able to meet here this morning. And we pray that as we worked our way through your word, that its truth would penetrate our hearts and that your spirit would apply its truth to our lives. Father, I pray that you would make me the kind of pastor that you want me to be. And Father, that my life would live out the truth, being an example to the flock. Pray for pastor john and and his leadership here at calvary use him in a very special way to to make a difference in people's lives and father use our families our wives and our children and even my grandchildren to be a real illustration of your grace in your work and may we do it father Because we recognize the importance of what the body is. The bride of Christ. The assembly of the living God. Father, give us a good week. Help us to know how we can make a difference. And Father, even though we're worshiping in a a different way, draw us close to you. And help us to be your kind of people. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. God is good. And all the time, our God is good.